let's all just take a nice deep breath, everyone. Ah, God is good, isn't he? I've just felt God's presence here this morning, and I know I've been deeply touched this morning several times leading up to coming up here with you. And I feel very blessed to be here today, and thank you for the invitation and, and the introduction and the opportunity to be with you this morning. Um, I was firstly touched when Jason came to me this morning. We were down the front here, and he was like, our drummer hasn't turned up. And I'm like, it's okay. And he said, I'm going to play drums. I'm like, cool, that'll be great. <laughs> and it was fantastic, Jason. It just really touched me, that servant heart, you know. And um, I love have seen Jason. Um, I've been around Emerge over the years, and I've seen Jason and watched him from a distance and great leadership on his life. So, yeah, today is about, you know, encouraging you, obviously. <laughs> so, but um, then also I met Jess down here at the front and just her radiant glow and smile and and to see her leading worship today, that just touched me so deeply too. And I just want to encourage Jess. And it was beautiful. And uh, she told me she drives from Sanford to come over here and serve in the church. I think, wow, she gets to watch the sunrise every morning and Sundays as she comes over. And uh, I know because I did that too this morning. So, And uh, I planted a church down in Clontarf uh, a few years back now. And um, so I remember coming down this way and seeing the sunrise every, every morning on the way over. And, uh, but Jess, it was just beautiful the way you led this morning. And uh, I've seen Jess do musical theatre over many years with um, Jack and Debbie Bradford. And that's always been my image of you is like acting and singing and dancing. And, um, but here she is leading worship. And um, even, you know, greater things that God is calling you to as well. And le leading worship is one of the highest callings, in my opinion, that God's put on your life. So, and just that incredible smile um, as she's leading. Wow. <laughs> Keep up the great work. And uh, Mark and Nina, obviously, um, about 12 years we've known each other now. And I've traveled with Mark over into Cambodia and Thailand when I was leading um, Destiny Rescue and and um, over the years, Emerge Church has been one of those healing places for me. Um, several times in my life, um, in the last 10 years or so, I've come back into Emerge Church and spent a few years, actually, um, of ministry with Mark, with Nina. And um, it's just been fantastic. So to have the opportunity today to come in and spend a little bit more time with you all and and uh, I think this is, I used to lead worship at Warner quite a bit. I remember one of the opportunities at leading worship, the power went out. And that uh, was a great memory for me. We're in this huge, big, dark room with no doors open at the time. So it was completely black. We had to open the side doors and let some light in. And, and uh, we're like, what do we do? We're about to start church. And so I went and grabbed my guitar and I stood up the front and we just led some worship with me and a guitar and the whole church. And it was just a powerful, powerful morning. Because, um, you know, when we get back to the, the things that really matter, God just shows up, right? It's just an amazing, amazing thing when the Holy Spirit starts to move like that, even when the power goes out. Church can still happen. Did you know that? It's so true. Anyway, so, um, yes, it's been a wonderful time um, and friendship that I've had with Mark and Nina. And so I just encourage them and, and continue to, you know, have that friendship with them over, over the years and into the future. So let's just pray. Heavenly Father, you have a message for us today. And I pray that as we come with open hearts this morning, that you will speak and you will touch our hearts and you will transform us in the ways you want to. Um, just touch us deeply now. We listen to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. We all said amen. 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 So uh, as I was thinking about today, I actually texted Mark through the week and, and I even texted Neil. I'm like, 
is this a good theme for the church? Because it's like not a guest speaker kind of theme, usually. So to come in and talk about what I'm going to talk about today, it doesn't sound very exciting. And uh, guest speaker is supposed to come in and give you something exciting, right? But um, I feel like it's what God put on my heart for us. And I just want to flesh this out with you and, and see that actually it is really important and it is exciting, okay? Does that sound okay? All right, so we're going to start right here today, and there should be a scripture, Galatians 5, 23 on the screen, and it says, can you read that with me, everyone? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Everyone say patience. Patience. And again, patience. Okay, this is the theme for today, okay? Patience. Oh, wow, that's really exciting, isn't it? Wow. So all of these attributes here on the screen really do represent who God is. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So it's the attributes of God coming in and through our life as we've had a transformed heart by the Spirit himself, that this is the kind of things that we should represent to the world around us as we represent Christ. Christ coming in and through us, he should be evident in our lives. As people see us, they should see love. They should see kindness they should see peace they should see gentleness and faithfulness and church they should see what patience yes it's a challenging message isn't it already yes deep breaths everyone so you know right from the beginning of life actually a baby even just being conceived he has to spend nine months in a womb before he gets out to the world so right from the beginning of life Actually, it's probably more the mother that has to have patience, isn't it, in that time. But it's patience is kind of instilled into us that we need patience. As growing up, you know, children, we have the presents under the tree. You know, it's like, oh, I've got to unwrap that present. I remember growing up, one of those crazy things of, you know, want that present now and had to wait weeks for that present. It's always there in front of me and kind of almost killed me to, to wait. I had to wait and waiting test our patience, you know. I've had kids, four kids. And uh, I know so many times it's, um, it's funny because, you know, you're waiting. You're waiting for your kid. You're like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. We've got to go. We can't wait any longer. Church is about to start. We're not even there yet. Have you, um, even in general life, just every, every day kind of living, you know, have you ever used a microwave oven and you're standing in front of the microwave oven because you haven't got time to heat something up on the stove, right? So you put it in the microwave and you're standing there saying, hurry up, microwave oven, hurry up. You can't even wait long enough for the microwave. I think one of the funniest times that amuses me around this whole theme of patience is when you're at the airport and, and you're in the plane, and you've just landed. And this happens at every single flight. You know, you land and you start to get close to docking and everyone's sitting there waiting for the little bell to go off, right? And the, you still know you've got five to ten minutes there sitting there, but of course the bell goes off. Everyone jumps out of their seats and jumps into this little aisle and grabs their bag and then they stand there and they wait. <laughs> All squished into this little aisle, right? And I think it's even funnier when the plane finally docks and we all make our way down to the carousel at the airport to grab our luggage and and everyone just crushes up to the carousel and, and I'm always standing behind the crowd and there goes my bag and I couldn't get in to get it. It happens every time. And of course, if everyone would just step back three steps and have patience and their bags would go, and I'd step forward and grab my bag and, I'd, and everyone would get their bag on time, right? That's just how it works. But we don't like to wait and we don't like to have patience. But it's definitely a lesson that we need to learn because we do spend a lot of our time in waiting 
in our lives. It seems like God is testing our patience with things all the time. Waiting seems to be a big part of our lives. And I think we need to wait for so many things. Even in general living, we wait in traffic every day. You know, the average person is, spends 38 to 50 hours every year just sitting in traffic. We wait at red lights. We wait in the lines at shops. We wait on hold on the phone, an average of 13 hours a year. That's an average person spending 43 days of their life on hold on the phone. People spend about six months of their lives waiting in a queue, just waiting in line for things. That's about three days a year of just queuing up. That's how we spend our life, waiting. And we need to learn patience. Because if, this is, if waiting is such a big part of our life, I think we need to learn how to honor Christ in the way we wait. Let's, uh, let's learn about how to serve God or love God or represent Christ the spirit in us while we are waiting. It's important. It's actually listed here as one of the fruits of who God is and, and, him, and him flowing through our life. So as a follower of Jesus, how we wait will either represent Christ or not. I remember um, speaking about waiting. I remember God gave me a vision back in 1995 to start a church in North Lakes, And at that time, North Lakes was 1,024 hectares of pine forest and dirt roads. There was nothing there. And uh, so I remember praying over that land. And it wasn't until 2012, and we started the church in 1999, four years later. But we never got into North Lakes till 2012. That's 17 years of waiting. But we did it. And, of course, I wasn't even there when that move happened. But God fulfilled the vision. And we're just waiting and waiting. And I did end up going back to that church and pastored there for another five years. And Pastor Mark and Nina, they sent me off from Emerge to go and do that project. And that was fantastic. That was Axis Church in North Lakes. I sometimes doubted. I sometimes was impatient. I sometimes ran. I wanted to run off and just start things. I just wanted to pull the trigger and get get things going every time. But God taught me about waiting. Is anyone else like this or not? Yeah. Yeah. So there's something on your horizon, there's an opportunity, there's a vision, you've got some passion in your heart, the next season of life, something new on the horizon for you, and God's saying, I want to show you something, but he's then he's saying, wait. I want to be honest with you today. Does anyone here actually like waiting? <laughs> but we spend a lot of our life in this place. You see, Jesus uses the word wait, which means that we need to learn about waiting. Waiting is a part of what it means to be a Christ follower, church. The apostles knew all about waiting. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus shared this with the apostles over 40 days. And he gave this incredible plan to empower their lives, to send them out to the whole world to build this great redemptive plan called the church. To build the kingdom of God. But then you know what he told them to do? And he said, now go and wait. Let's just see what he said here in Acts chapter 1, 3 and 4. It says, he appeared to them over 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but what? Wait for the the gift that my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So that's exactly what they did. 
they waited. It says in Acts 1, 12 to 26, and paraphrase, it says, The apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. Verse 13 says, When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying, or you could say where they were waiting. So when they returned to Jerusalem, they would have had this great sense of expectation, this great sense of, oh, we've got this great calling on our lives, this incredible promise is in store for us, but they were going to receive power from God, but they had to wait for this patiently for it to come. You know, church, you have the mission of all missions. The Bible says in Acts 1.8, that he's giving us power to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. But before you launch out and build a spiritual kingdom, he's saying, I want you to wait. I want you to go into God's waiting room and I want you to stay there. And you go, wait, really? Wait? Over the course of history, God's people have been waiting. From the time of Adam and Eve, they waited for Jesus to come. I get upset when the internet goes slow. It takes an extra three seconds to load a page. Thousands of years, really. And then we know Jesus died and rose again and appeared for 40 days. And he said, you'll receive power when my spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses when my spirit comes upon you. In other words, you need to wait for my spirit to come upon you. And that's what they did. There's a lesson here for us. And I want to be honest because we jump the gun too often. I've done that before too. I've said to God, I know you've called me and I can't wait. I'm just going to go. But I've learned it's better to wait. So patience is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit in our lives and it's a sign of his very presence in our life. Paul said it like this in Colossians 3.12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and what, church? Patience. To close ourselves with patience. We're clothed in patience. People should see you and say, that's a patient person. You're clothed in patience. It's a godly characteristic to be patient. Did you know God is not in a hurry? He's not in a rush for anything. God has perfect timing on everything. And he doesn't work to our timelines. Did you know that? So church, you want to be like God, yes? I want to be like God. He made us in his image. I want to be more like him every day. So you want to be like God? Remember his spirit in you is patient. When you're in that queue at the lights waiting in the traffic, you know, spirit in you is patient. It says in James 5, 7, be patient then brothers and sisters until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and the spring rains. I was asking God for rain to fill my tanks. And I waited, and finally he blessed me with 85,000 liters of water in my tanks. My tanks are now full and they're overflowing, and what a blessing, but I had to wait for when he was ready. I was not in control of when it rains. All I could do was wait for when it rained. Sometimes we feel like it's a painful thing to do to wait or to wait on God, but it's not. 
It's a blessing when God shows up and your tanks overflow. All of a sudden, what was empty is now overflowing. All of a sudden, what was my need is now a life-giving abundance. It's a blessing when you're waiting on God and then in His perfect timing, there's an answered prayer. Amen? Or in his perfect timing, there's a major breakthrough or there's a powerful miracle, there's a significant healing in our lives or there's a, a heart transformation or there's a life that's changed or there's an unexpected turnaround of events. But even if there's none of that happens in our life, do you know what? It's still good to wait because it's okay because you're not waiting for the miracle. You're not waiting for the breakthrough. You're not waiting for that answered prayer. You're not waiting for the healing. You're not waiting for the transformation. You're not waiting for a life change. You're not waiting for a turnaround of events. It says you're waiting on Him. You're waiting on Him. Not on what He does or you're waiting on who He is. We're waiting on Him. It says in Psalm 37, 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Ah, that takes all the pressure off, doesn't it? It doesn't say wait for the answered prayer and the miracle. You know, we can dig in deep and stomp our feet and scratch and scrape and hope and pray and wonder, God, answer. No, he says, wait patiently. Be still and wait patiently for him. And when he moves, you have a miracle. When he moves, you have your breakthrough. But we wait on him. Why should we wait patiently just on him? Because God is jealous for us. He's jealous for our love and our attention. He's jealous for our worship. He's jealous because as you wait patiently on him and be still before him, you're being like him. You're being patient, remember? Remember, it's one of those characteristics of God to be patient. And while you're waiting, you can grow in your relationship with him. While you're waiting, you can increase your faith. You can seek wisdom. While you're waiting, you can develop even greater godly character. And, and you can deepen your understanding of who God is. While you're waiting, you can renew your mind and you can refresh your soul and you can empower your prayer life. All these things come while we're waiting. And God loves that. Proverbs 14.29 says, Whoever is patient has great understanding. Some think that waiting is a waste of time. Oh, another year's gone past. Oh, I'm getting old. You know, no. God is, waiting on God is not a waste of time. It says you, you gain great understanding when you're waiting on God. When you wait on Him and you're standing in line for all these amazing blessings, I, b I believe that. When we're waiting patiently on God, it's actually really good for me, even though it's difficult sometimes. One of the greatest things I've learned is that when I wait on him, I'm strengthened. Isaiah 40, 31. Let's read this together. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You see how good it is to wait on God? You can be strengthened. This is a verse of Scripture most of us have memorized. It's one of those that we kind of quote and we claim and we cling to and we read it out loud. But let me ask you a question. How many times have you looked at yourself and you wonder in your own life, where is my renewing strength right now? 
Where is my regaining momentum and flying high with the eagles above the earth's problems? Where is that right now? I just feel tired. I just feel burned out. I just feel stressed. I just feel stretched like I'm going to snap. This verse speaks about renewing strength. It speaks about regaining new strength. It mentions strength of an eagle's wing. So it will lift you high up above these problems that we face. It mentions strength that's necessary to run without being weary. I think that we desperately need this kind of strength in our life. Amen? Something must first happen. What needs to happen first? You need to wait. It's right there, church. Those who wait. Those who wait get all these extras. Did you hear me? Those who wait get all these attributes. So it goes to say, if you don't wait on him, then maybe the opposite is true as well. So in this verse, the word wait is a Hebrew word, is kova, which means, well, there's two meanings of this, literally. The literal meaning of the word is to bind together like a cord. To bind together like a cord. Well, what does that mean? I want you to picture in your mind for a moment the process of a, a making a rope or a cord. By twisting and weaving together and binding together those strands of string that, that make a rope. And the more strands of string that are wound and bound together there and, and weaving them together, it, forming that rope, the greater the strength of that rope, right? So there is that word strength again. Remember, those who wait on the Lord, those who are bound together like a rope, will renew their strength. Here it's saying waiting is about strengthening. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, a cord of, I use this in, in our weddings, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Husband and wife and God woven together, a cord of three strands not easily broken. But in this setting, a piece of string cannot lift very much on its own, you know, it gets stretched and eventually just snaps, can't take too much stress. But when you start weaving together multiple strands in your cord, in your rope, then you're going to be stronger. So when that rope is stretched, when you're feeling tired and burned out and stretched because of life, all of a sudden those fibers start to lock together as they're being stretched and they form so much strength. So instead of snapping, they're actually stronger. And this is what can happen for us in our lives if we're tired and stressed. It really means that we can be strengthened in number. And I want to ask you, what are the cords in your rope today? When I come together and gather here with you, well, firstly, it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's three cords in my rope to start with. They give me strength. Amen? But when I come here and gather with you today, I feel strengthened. We're here with the body of Christ. You guys are another cord in my rope. You're another strand in my rope, the body of Christ. When I read my Bible, it's another strand in my rope being woven together. When I spend time in prayer and worship, it's another strand in my rope as I'm waiting on Him and His presence in the worship with the body of Christ, growing myself and my spiritual life. I'm waiting on Him. I'm building strength. Those who build strength, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up. They will rise up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. This is where we get our strength from. 
Can I hear an amen? amen? Another definition of this word is to hope or to expect. It's all about strength, but another one is to hope or expect. It conveys anticipation. Those who have anticipation on the Lord will renew their strength. Those, those people who have expectation. What do you do when you come to church Sunday mornings? Is it like, oh, I've got to go to church and get out of bed? No, or is it like, oh, I'm going to go and meet God this morning? You know, I'm going to go and meet with God this morning. I have anticipation. I have expectation. I'm going to go and renew my strength in Him. I wonder if that's the feeling we get as we come into God's presence. Do we anticipate His presence on the way to church? Do you expect him to come and answer prayers? Do you hope for those miracles? Do you anticipate his spirit filling you afresh today? Do you hope or expect him to show up? I'll guarantee there was a great sense of anticipation in that upper room as 120 believers met together and waited on God. What did they do? They waited with expectation and anticipation of the the filling of the promised one. Amazing, isn't it? So two meanings from this we get is to be strengthened, our strength, and expectation. You, wanna, you want God to act on your behalf, right? You want God to move in your life. You want him to answer us. You want him to lead us. And you want him to protect you. Yes? yes. Well, we must wait on him first. And we're going to do that in just a minute. Um, Isaiah 64.4 says, since ancient times no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Now we understand what it means to wait. The early church understood this. Let's go back to where we started today, the apostles. And let's have a look at what they did as they patiently waited for him in the upper room. Here it is. It says that those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, Judas, son of James. They all joined together. Remember the rope, the cord, the strands? They all joined together because it was strengthening. Constantly in what? In prayer, along with women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. There was a lot of people there, just like here today. So let me remind you, before this, Jesus has just given this biggest mission to them. He changed the history of the world to be his witnesses to the end of the earth. And then Jesus tells them, go and wait for the promised one, for the Holy Spirit to come. See, waiting on God's timing has been the most important thing in the church. Imagine if they messed up and just went forth and didn't wait for the Holy Spirit. What would have happened? The church wouldn't have survived. The church wouldn't survive. But they didn't. They waited for the power and they waited with anticipation. And so just to finish up here, there's two things I observe in the early church and what they were doing. And I think we can do as well. And I'd love to tell you those two things because they're so important. But I guess you're going to have to wait. (laughs) How long will you wait? I'll tell you right now. I was kidding. My observation, and I look at the early church, two things. Number one, they joined together gathering. They gathered together. And secondly, they constantly were praying, constantly in prayer. They're gathering in the upper room. There it is again, strength in numbers. 
The cord cannot be broken. Remember that? The early church banded together from the very beginning. How many times when you've been out there on your own, you feel like you're spiritually a bit dry, a bit cold, cooling off. You come back into the fellowship and you're like, ah, that fire gets stoked again, right? That comes from being together, gathering. And we see this whole big list of people, they're waiting together. Peter, he's always listed first because God gave him that role of leading the church at that time. And the apostles were there and Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there and other men and women. And they were gathering, the, the first church, gatherings, being strengthened as they were ready to go out on that mission. And it says that they gathered 120 of them there. You know, every week we gather here together to be strengthened, to be strengthened. When you learn about this from the early church, you, you know that they gathered constantly together, not just on Sundays, but in their homes and the temple courts and gathered together as friends and did life together deeply where masks would come off and life would get real. And church was really the church then. I want to encourage you in those things. Let's keep doing that, gathering and waiting on him for his presence to dwell among us. And then it says they constantly prayed. Jesus has just given them that mission of all missions to reach the end of the earth. Imagine that. I want you to go to the nations, Merge Church. Pastor Mark, he's off to Cambodia this week. Imagine if he didn't wait on God, didn't pray and just seek him and know what he wants him to say and who he's going to meet and the ministry he's going to deliver. And It's a huge mission. It's important. And the first piece of advice that He's given next after, given all of this great mission is now go and wait for the Holy Spirit. Don't go and make a plan of action. Don't come up with your top 10 in your guide to to go and do the mission. Don't go and do any of that. He says, I'm not even going to give you a 10-step plan of how to reach the world and, and all these things. He said, no, I'm going to give you something even better. If you wait, I'll give you the person of the Holy Spirit himself. You don't need a plan of action. You need the person of the Spirit, not just any person, a Spirit who will empower them, a Spirit who will help you rise up and run and not grow weary and walk and not faint, one who will live within you, one who will never leave you or forsake you, one who will walk with you and not faint, one who will give you power to be a martyr for him, literally give you the power to die, to be a witness for him, as the apostles did to be able to give it all up for Jesus, to lay it all down for him, to be a living sacrifice, to be a witness for him. That's the power the Spirit gives us when we wait on him. And he's going to give you that power. Even right now, some people are just a hair's breath away from receiving that power. The gift of the Holy Spirit was coming and they prayed and they waited. This challenges me a lot, church. How do I apply it in my heart? I don't know. I just got to stop with my 10-step plans. And I've got to get back into that God's waiting room. And I've got to pray. And I've got to keep gathering and listening. Prayer precedes doing. In conclusion, here's an observation. The early church were a people of doers. They were about to go and do amazing things. I mean, Peter, the apostle, he was the master of doing. They went out and changed nations. Here they were praying in an upper room. You see, prayer precedes doing. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes prayer is like the last resort. It's like we get excited. We're like, just go. When Pastor Mark and Nina call prayer meeting, let's get in there. Let's go and pray. You know, not a last resort. This is the most important thing we can do. We should get excited about the prayer meetings. That's where the job gets actually done. And the problem with naturally being a doer and not a prayer is that the stuff of the natural, we do it in the natural strength instead of the supernatural strength. We don't partake in the supernatural activity of prayer to get a supernatural job done. We partake in the natural and only the natural gets done. And we end up messing it up and burning ourselves out. But when we get involved in a supernatural activity of prayer, amazing things start to happen. You get involved in the miraculous. The natural starts becoming supernatural. When you wait on God, he will speak to you. You start to be filled by his spirit, empowered for the task at hand. You get supernatural gifts to be able to accomplish everything he's called you to do to build up the body of Christ. That's way stronger than your natural abilities. You'll be led by him. You'll be guided by his wisdom. You'll hear his voice. You'll operate at his speed. You'll enjoy his blessing. And most of the time, you'll sense his pleasure in your life. Let's gather and pray in one accord. One accord, one heart, one mind. It's unifying, isn't it? It's unifying. It says there that with one word, one accord, it says. The Bible used the language of unity here in one accord. One heart, one mind. They were together there in one accord. Remember Jesus prays in John 17, Father, I pray that they, the Christians, he's saying, would be one as we are one. Does anyone here like algebra at school? Did anyone not like algebra? Me neither. Once I almost used algebra since school, but then I actually didn't. (laughs) But here's an equation for you. I found this equation years and years ago, actually, and it's just stuck in my mind. I don't think I made this up. I might have, but I can't remember where I even got it from. G plus P equals U. Gathering plus praying equals unity. Gathering plus praying equals unity. Just remember that. G plus P equals U. Jesus prays that we as God's people would be one. One heart, one mind, one Lord, one faith, one book, one baptism, one mission. All about one thing. And we'd be one with him and one together. So what comes first? Praying or unifying? Praying. Well done, church. We've got that one. (laughs) Remember the little equation. Gathering plus praying equals unifying. Maybe your husband and wife, you're not getting along very well at the moment. Maybe a bit of a hard patch. Well, gather together, pray and unify. Maybe you've got kids problems all sorts of issues going on in the family now pull them together gather pray and unify maybe we're having some issues or struggles in the church maybe some division amongst the people or maybe there's just some circumstances we really need help with right now as a church gather pray and unify does that make sense most of the time we don't have a unity problem we have a prayer problem most of the time we don't have a unity problem We have a waiting problem. So the apostles were not wasting their time in the upper room, waiting. They weren't up there twiddling their fingers, their thumbs. The apostles are up there. They're they're up there. They're waiting. 
They're praying. They're gathering. They're building strength. They're getting ready to be launched out on the greatest mission that the world has ever seen, to build the church. And here we are today, church. We're sitting here today because of that, because they waited in the upper room. We probably wouldn't be here as a church as we know it now if we hadn't waited or if they hadn't waited in that upper room. So I want to invite um, the worship team to come. We're just going to spend a little bit of time. We're going to go to the upper room. Does that sound good? Just for a few minutes now. We're not going to extend this on for too long, but um, why don't we all stand to our feet together? We've gathered. Here we are. We're going to wait for a few minutes and listen to God. Let his spirit speak. We might have some gentle piano behind us as we just stand in his presence. He said, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Just take a nice deep breath. Breathe in the presence of his spirit. Be still and know that I am God. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach us, Lord. Teach us how to wait on you. As the early church waited in the upper room, let us come with that same sense of anticipation, expectation that you are going to move in us, through us, that you are going to send us off on a great mission to be witnesses for you, full of courage and boldness and strength and fresh energy, and that you would lift the burdens and share those burdens with us so that we wouldn't snap under the pressure, but you will be one of those cords, Father, Son, and Spirit, and the body of Christ, all the ways that you build strength into us, Lord, we just commit those things to you right now and commit ourselves to wait to be strengthened. I pray for unity over this church. I pray as this church gathers and prays, it will be unified. Be one as you are one. Pray for your presence to be magnified in this church. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the mission here in Redcliffe. It's a great mission. I pray for your blessing on this church. I pray for the roof to lift off. And you just come in like a flood, Lord. Come in like a flood, I pray. 
You just bring the dreams and the visions that you, Lord, empower the leaders, that you, Lord, bring in the right leaders, the right pastors, that you bring in all the people that we need to see this church to go to that next level, God, I pray. You're calling this church. You've got a mission in mind. You've got a calling in mind. Thank you for Pastor Mark, for Nina, as they bring leadership to this. Lord, you'd empower them and give them wisdom and guidance and lift them up and strengthen them, I pray. Give them everything they need. I pray for the worship leaders here. I pray for those who are serving and all the teams. I pray that you bless them, Lord. I pray for all the prayers, all those who are prayer warriors in this church. There's, there's many prayer warriors, I believe. Lord, I pray that, God, you just give them a heart to pray even more, Lord, interceding, God, on behalf of the people. I pray there be salvations in this church. The people, Lord, come to know you every week. Every week, Lord, there be new people coming into this place or just have their eyes open to see the love of God, to see your love just falling and touching like a river flowing in this place, Lord. And just like the angel in Ezekiel, let Ezekiel through that river. It got deeper and deeper and deeper. The further in they went as the river flowed from the temple. Lord, let, may that be the spirit that we're waiting on right now. The spirit who has, even, who has come now. Even right now, let's lift our hands to him, church. Even right now, let him just flow to us. The spirit of God as a river flowing from a temple that we would go deeper and deeper that it would become a flood. We wait on you today, God. You would meet our needs. I just think of each one personally and individually right now. Just lift your hands to him if it's you today. That you need to you need God to just provide that touch, that miracle. Maybe you are seeking that transformation. You are looking for change, turnaround, breakthrough. And in this place right now, we're in the upper room in a sense. In a sense, may His presence meet that need. Remember, we wait for Him. We're waiting for Him. Spirit, meet us where we're at now, I pray.